Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ari Alberry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 233. In lieu of a fun fact, I have a little quiz for you guys. I am excited. I think this is the last weekend without football, NFL football, going forward, so I have some football questions for you guys. Preseason doesn't count. I'm just going to throw that in there. That doesn't count as real football. I can watch it, and it's NFL players, so it counts for me. All right, you guys ready for this? Two questions. Yeah. Quarterback-centric. So the first question is, do you guys know who your all-time passing yards leader is for your team? Kyle, obviously, you were a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Mike, the Vikings. And because Iowa doesn't have a team, Wyatt has been assigned to the Chicago Bears. Who's guessing first? Kyle, go ahead and go first if you want. Is it is it Trent Green? It is not Trent Green. Do you want another guess or do you just want me to tell you? I want you to tell me. It is Lynn Dawson. Oh. With uh, 28,507 yards. I hate myself now. I should have gotten that one. I believe he just passed away last year. Yes. All right. Mike, what about you? Is it Fran Tarkington? It is Fran Tarkenton, yes. 33,098 yards. And Wyatt, who do you think leads the Bears in passing? I, I know this one. Oh, you know this one? I feel like we all know this one. I'm going to type it in, and I'll send it once Wyatt <laughs> guesses. So I guess I should amend that. So we all know about Wyatt, I guess. I can name two Chicago quarterbacks. One of them is Jay, Jay Cutler. It is Jay Cutler. That is correct. Let's go. That's the the other one I could name off yeah. the top of my head is Jim Harbaugh. That's, that's I was going to say. Uh, Jay Cutler with 23,443 yards. I believe the Bears are also the only NFL team that have never had a 5,000-yard passer. So good job for them. I, I would just like to point out that Wyatt just admitted he can't name Justin Fields. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He would not be in the list. I, I could think of two quarterbacks that could be on that list. And now, this is that was the easy question. Uh, the second question is a lot harder. And it is, oh, no. can you rem- we'll start with Wyatt this time. Can you remember the last time your team started a rookie quarterback in week one? Uh, like two years ago. Three years ago? Just, Justin Fields didn't start week one, did he? That's right, he did not. Oh, he didn't? Yeah. Um, so, when did... Who would have been the other one? It had to have been relatively recently, right? Like, it, what, can, can I give you a name? Because I, I think it was yeah. Mitch Trubisky. It was not Mitch Trubisky. It wasn't? Oh, I have no mm-hmm. idea then. It was in 2005. Kyle Orton. Yeah. Oh, a a throwback there. Wow. And uh, we'll go Mike second. I have no idea here. Was it also Fran Tarkington? It is not. It's a, it's a trick question. The Vikings have never started a rookie quarterback in week one. Okay. So no idea was actually a great guess. Um, and we'll end with Kyle and the Chiefs. When do you think they last started a rookie quarterback in week one? Man, the Chiefs don't often draft quarterbacks. As they had just drafted the best quarterback of the century like four years ago. But prior to that, they acquired Alex Smith. They acquired Matt Castle. 
I'm going to go late 1990s. Uh, you should have guessed the same thing as the Vikings as the Chiefs have never started a rookie quarterback week one. Dang it. They are two out of three teams to never have started rookie quarterback week one, the other one being the New York Giants. But I thought that was kind of interesting that uh, both of you guys' teams have never started a rookie quarterback at the beginning of the season. That is interesting. That is a good, that's good trivia. Mine would have been kind of easy if I still had the Rams. It would have been Sam Bradford and Kurt Warner. So, yeah, not that exciting. I, I, would, I would have gotten those ones right, too. Yeah, exactly. But from there, we will move from one football to another football topic. And uh, we did get some pretty interesting news this week in Big 12 slash college football landscape stuff. Uh, Kyle, do you want to tell us a little bit about what we learned this week? The big news of the week was obviously a familiar face returning to the Big 12 conference overall, uh, set to join the conference next year in 2024. And that is, you got it, the University of Colorado. After they made um, the jump to the Pac-12, what was that, 10, 12 years ago 12 now? 12 years ago. Um, yeah, 12, 12 seasons ago. Colorado is coming back, uh, bringing Coach Prime with them. Obviously, we'll see how that goes in the first year, but there's a lot of hype around Colorado right now, especially with their football program. Only program to be aired nationally for their spring game on ESPN this year. Um, so that it is what it is. And this is all in the wake of uh, the Pac-12 not having a media rights deal in place for the upcoming season. Um, so with that being said, Colorado obviously got a little bit antsy. They liked the offer that was put on the table by the big 12, which rumor is that they're going to get full revenue share, um, that the big 12 is offering out for the season in 2024, um, from their media rights deal. So that's big news for Colorado. Uh, they're going to end up getting more money, uh reportedly in the big 12 than they were going to get from what is now kind of being rumored for the pac 12 going forward um i don't have the big 12 numbers in front of me at this time if someone wants to look them up they can but interesting fun fact about colorado so if colorado were to join the big 12 today today that we record this episode or a couple days ago it doesn't matter before the football season starts they would still have 15 more Big 12 conference wins than KU. That includes the 12 season hiatus from competing in the Big 12. So, you know, as as an Iowa State, uh, as all Iowa State alums, we do like to often throw shade towards Kansas. So that was a, a fun fact that we had to pull into here. But I was going to say, it begs the question. I think this is where you were going too. It begs the question. Who's next, right? I doubt the conference goes into 2024 or 2024 with 13 teams. I presume they'll mm -hmm. try to get to an even number. So who's next? Right. So at, as history kind of, you know, shows us in the past, a lot of these teams and these conferences don't like to have an odd number. Why is that? It makes scheduling difficult, right? Well, so Everybody's got to have a buy or a non-conference game every week. It, and that's annoying. Exactly. Well, exactly. Does, I mean, not everybody. With the state of the Big 12 right now, where are we at? Well, Colorado is joining in 2024. That would give us an odd number of 13, as Mike alluded to. The Big 12 has come out and said that they are really only looking at one more team right now. 
whether that's smoke and mirrors and they're trying to look at adding potentially three more teams to get up to an even 14, who knows? Um, maybe they're just planning on adding one or sorry, get up to an even 16. Uh, but maybe they're planning on just adding one more to keep that revenue split a little bit more enticing for um, us to get another school. So where is the Big 12 going to go to find another school? Can I throw a spicy rumor in there before you get to uh, the real stuff? Go for it. Nebraska. Let's just take everybody back. Uh, no. Uh, I don't I don't really I don't want, want Nebraska. Nebraska back. What has Nebraska done? They're the Dallas Cowboys of college football, right? I think that's generous, honestly. <laughs> that's kind of a bad comparison because, like, what if, what if Colorado runs once since they've left? Power five football program almost since they left. They've almost been as bad as Kansas since they left the Big Twelve. They've had like one. Have they even had a winning season since they left? Maybe one. Maybe one winning. They they season. have so had. Shade in Nebraska one. because of that is is not. And, and However, the basketball program's just as bad as Nebraska's too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they bring they bring hype right now. Colorado does, and money is money. I'm not sure what Nebraska brings. I feel like mostly negative press at this point. It feels like Fred Hoiberg, I guess. Do we want how, that? How much longer is Fred Hoiberg going to be given a leash at Nebraska for what he's done? So not too much longer. I, both of those options aren't as enticing as I think what the Big Twelve is trying to lick their chops at right now. So the Pac-12 is reeling a little bit. Um, obviously, with the with Colorado leaving, a little bit of a shock. But to them, to their point, and to the point of uh, Dan Lanning or whoever the head coach is at Oregon. Show me what Colorado has done since they've been here in the Pac-12, which we just alluded to. Not a big loss for them, ultimately. But they're looking to get their media rights deal in place and basically hold, like, put a plug in the sinking ship is what it feels like right now. So the state of the Pac-12 right now is there is a uh, 8-1. So August 1st, there is reportedly going to be a press conference with the commissioner of the Pac-12 explaining the media rights deal that they basically have in place. Uh, it is rumored to be a deal with Apple, primarily a streamings only deal, which not super ideal if you're a viewer um, having to sign up for a subscription service. But if you are a viewer of those teams, at least you're only signing up for one service and you get all the games. I don't even have an iPhone. How am I supposed to watch the games? That's not how that works. But... <laughs> uh, you can sign up for an Apple Plus subscription still. That's what they want you to do. No, I, I be the sports dad of this podcast and complain that I can't get Apple TV without an iPhone. Just get an <laughs> iPhone, then you get blue messages. No, I'll back you up on that, Mike. So with that, report, their reported number is $20 million a year, which is less per, per than school? what per school as the payout which is less than what the Big 12 is offering right now, payout per school. Oh, that, that's the Pac-12 deal you're talking about? That's the Pac-12 deal, oh, yes. Oh, then I don't care. I don't care. The, don't care. the Pac-12 can do whatever they want. Nobody cares. So that, that's what I'm saying. And so the it is reportedly saying that the streaming rights are exclusive. All the rights are owned by Apple then at that point for streaming. They don't have a way of getting on national television, any of that. All of their games are are just through streaming services. Doesn't sound ideal to me. Now, with the Big 12, obviously you get an ESPN and a Fox deal. So rumors are that Arizona is likely another team that is looking about a Big 12 move. There are reported 
and I, I say this all in like diligently, there are rumors that there is a reported uh, Board of Regents meeting immediately following the press conference with the commissioner of the PAC-12 for the Board of Regents of Arizona um, to discuss what they're going to do and maybe make a proposal to join the Big 12. That has been the, the school that has driven the most buzz um, and, and the rumors around potentially jumping ship to the Big 12. What does Arizona bring? Football? You know, you get a little, you get a warm weather destination, but Arizona is another basketball power uh, who has been really good recently. Obviously, they had to to um, re rebound a little bit from the Sean Martin era out there, uh, but they were a really good program last year that had an early out in the tournament. They've always kind of hung around as a basketball program. So just adding to the, the mix of good teams in the Big 12 um, for basketball. If it's not Arizona, ideally who I would like to see is an Oregon come in because you get all the Nike money that comes along with it. Uh, you get the Oregon brand, and then you can really truly make like a North and a South division um, for the Big 12 that kind of kind of splits everything out really nicely. Um, I don't think they're caring about splitting things geographically too well. They're just trying to get the best school to come in. So that's that's where we're at right now. If a team doesn't come from the Pac-12, where else might um, the Big 12 look? They could just look for a basketball-only program to join the conference, although that doesn't bring in as much revenue as football does, obviously, uh, is the primary revenue driver for all of these deals. So look for a school like UConn being rumored to and uh, Gonzaga as well. Is the Big 12 done expanding with one more school? Who knows? We don't know the status of the realignment. Potentially, like if we just add one more Pac-12 school for football uh, revenue, potentially the Big 12 could go out and snag an Air or a Gonzaga and a UConn to join uh, the conference just for basketball, which would make it an elite powerhouse in basketball, uh, obviously. So. All we know right now is there is a big meeting next week, or not next week, tomorrow, 8-1, where the Pac-12 is going to announce their media rights deal, and we'll see what happens from there. So That will certainly be something to keep an eye on tomorrow. And tomorrow's just going to be a big sports day. Keep your, uh, keep your Twitter feed open, because tomorrow is also... X, your um, yeah. It's it's your X feed, but <laughs> keep your platform formerly known as Twitter feed open. Are they tweets or are they X's now? I think everything is just X. The platform is X. The action is X. The noun is X. You have to open X to X and X, I believe, is what you should be saying. <laughs> I don't know. But do you X and X? Like, you like the tweet? How do you? Oh, that's a good do point. You re, do you re X and X? I think we should just, it? everything should be X. I'm re-Xing your X. I X'd and re-Xed it. <laughs> also, if you look at like the mobile app, the, the tweet button or the X button or whatever you want to call it, it still has a feather by it, which makes no sense if it's not a bird anymore. It's a very well, a very well done conversion. But it's a work in progress. <laughs> that it definitely is. But we'll we'll get back on track, I guess. Why is it exciting tomorrow, Mike? Because tomorrow is all the MLA deadline. Um, keep an eye. I believe it's five o'clock central. Is that right? 
Uh, it's either five o'clock central, five o'clock eastern, six eastern, five central. The MLB trade deadline. Yeah, six eastern. Um, there have been um, plenty, plenty of happened. The buyers and sellers are starting to emerge. Um, I'm not going to run down all the trades. I'll just run down the biggest buyers and sellers so far. Um, buyers are the Braves. We talked last week about the couple of relief pitchers they picked up. They also swiped Nicky Lopez from the Royals after he helped the Royals sweep the Twins last weekend. Couldn't they have traded him three days ago? That would have been great. Another buyer um, is the Angels. They did exactly the opposite of what we expected them to do. We all on last week's episode said they were going to we expected them to trade Otani. They uh, did the opposite. They're keeping Otani. They acquired Grichik and Crone from the Rockies, and then Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox. Um, so they are going for it, despite um, they are still a ways back at the moment. Um, at this very moment, they're still uh, five games out of the division and uh, four out of a wild card spot. So they still got a ways to go, but they're going. For um, decided to buy. They uh, picked up Jamie Candelario from the Nationals. Um, the Brewers picked up Mark Canna. They're buying and they're going to go for it, competing with the Reds for that division. Um, and the Cubs, I guess, are still in the mix there. Um, the Diamondbacks um, picked up Paul Seward from the Mariners, who are questionably try- are deciding to sell. Um, the Rays picked up Aaron Sully and the Rangers got Jordan Montgomery and Matt Scherz so they've uh they've definitely uh had gotten a ton of pitching the Rangers have to go with their really really good offense too they've got one of the best offenses in baseball anybody got any thoughts on any of the buyers nothing really surprised me too much um I mean the Angels did a little bit but if they weren't going to get anything from Otani then why not just try and buy and give it a shot I don't know. They're in a weird position there. Uh, the Diamondbacks buying a closer after kind of slipping back in the NL West a little bit was surprising. Um, obviously, the Rangers going and getting starting pitching was no surprise there since uh, Jacob deGrom was bad and then got hurt again. So uh, they needed some help there. But Obviously, the acquisition for Scherzer was huge um, since he does have a, I believe he has a player option for next season as well. He, he does, and they required that he was going to pick up that option as part of the deal. So he, he's picked that up. The holdup in the no trade clause that um, they wanted to make sure he was going to pick up his player option before the deal was done. So he agreed to pick up that option as well. Uh, the big sellers have been the White Sox. They had a major fire sale. Um, yeah, they had a major fire sale. Like I said, Giolito, Lopez. Um, they might move Tim Anderson as well this week uh, uh, before the deadline is over. Um, so White Sox, major fire sale. Mariners traded their closer. Um, they also traded um, a couple others um, as well. The Guardians, who are just cheap, they traded away their best pitcher. They get Noah Syndergaard, but then also trade away their best pitcher in Aaron Savali. Their G- their owner is just cheap. They're half a game behind the Twins, and they're selling. It's bizarre. Um, and the Mets with the Scherzer deal to the Rangers, um, and there's a couple other players they may sell as well. And the Nationals, we all knew were going to sell. There's no surprise there. 
to me, the Guardians um, are the biggest surprise seller and how aggressively the White Sox are selling. That's a surprise to me. Any, any thoughts on sellers? I, I also thought the way that the Mariners were selling, too. They also reportedly have Ty France on the table, um, which is a huge piece for them, I feel like, in their lineup. Uh, obviously, the Mets selling, you got to do something with this team after this horrible disappointment of a season. Uh, now, what do you do? Do you entice Verlander to go somewhere with his no-trade clause as well? but the way that his contract shapes out is a huge issue for teams. Whereas I think if he hits, if uh, Verlander's 2025 option, which automatically vests with 140 innings thrown in 2024, if he hits that number, the acquiring team would be on the hook for somewhere in the neighborhood of $92 million with two seasons of Verlander, who's going to be 41 in February. So I mean, that's huge money on Verlander's deal. And that's kind of, that might be why it's hard to, to sell him at this time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, kind of interesting. I mean, there's a lot of sellers that are no surprise to anyone. I mean, the, the Cardinals are selling a little bit with their little bit of a dumpster fire of a season. The Royals are obviously hot garbage and they're selling, but they're selling, you know, 20 bucks and getting two pennies in return is what it seems like. I have no idea what our GM is doing and I think he should be fired, but it just goes back to the, the reason why I said Nikki Lopez, what like that deal was an absolute fleece. The reliever that the Royals got in that trade was literally on the open market only a week ago um, because he was DFA'd uh, by the Rangers, I believe. And so if you liked him, then why not go get him at that point rather than letting Atlanta pick him up and then you trade for him and he's got a career almost six ERA just didn't make any sense at all. Um, No idea what the Royals are doing. But with that being said, when I actually gave the fact of the, the Scherzer deal, I had another interesting fact. So with the Max Scherzer deal, uh, to the Rangers, Max Scherzer will become the first athlete in sports history to be paid at least $15 million by three different teams in a single year. The Washington Nationals are on the hook for $15 million this year. The Mets are on the hook for $28 million, And then the Rangers are on the hook for $15 million. That is a That is an interesting fact. I would not have thought that. I didn't realize the Nats were still paying him. Thank you to at Darren Rovell on x now um for that tweet for that x sorry there you have it i guess it's better to uh split it up than like everybody have to pay all of it i don't know i guess for how he's been performing you'd rather not pay all of it yeah that's a big contract i do think we'll probably see a little bit more from the cardinals before the deadline is over i think they will sell a little bit more uh but you never who knows they're not very good at selling and committing to losing but they definitely should this year it's yeah. been pretty bad they have they have played a little better this month which is complicated yeah, they've been better this month although it was a low a little bit of a low floor yeah but i mean they're still in last place 11 games out uh, in that yeah. division and uh 10 out of the wild card so i don't think they're really going anywhere yeah sometimes you got to know when to just fold it and uh build for the future 
Any other thoughts on the trade deadline? I got nothing. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, what other big names could we see being traded? I know, I know the Cardinals said that Arnado's off the table, which I feel like maybe they should just try and trade him. Um, Verlander could be on the table. I, I would watch the White Sox, um, Cesar Tim Anderson. That's fair. Did the Mariners trade uh, Luis Castillo now? Again, after acquiring him last year? Traded? Yeah. I don't know if the Mariners are in cell yeah, mode. That, I don't know. that could, could be another big Tenasco one. Hernandez, yeah. Yeah, a couple of outfielders from the Mets, maybe. We'll see. I don't see any big moves tomorrow. I think the big moves have already happened. But we'll, of course, find that out tomorrow. With the end of our trade deadline talk, we move into our signature segments, starting with Mike's Stupid Rules. Um, well, today, well, we've had a lot in the last week or two of uh, pitchers maybe intentionally throwing at batters. Um, so when a pitcher, I want to talk about um, what the umpires can do when a pitcher hits a batter, right? Um, so essentially, first thing the umpires have to do, uh, Major League Baseball requires that when there is doubt as to whether there was intent, right, whether there may have been intent, the pitcher throwing at the batter intentionally, um, the crew has to get together. That's the first thing that has to happen is the crew has to get together. Um, now, if the crew gets together, what really what they're determining is intent. That's the first thing they have to determine. There are two separate categories of discipline based on intent. If they judge that there was no intent, um, the pitcher was not intending to hit the batter, they can either choose to do nothing and let's just play, or they can issue warnings to both sides. If there was no intent, the harshest punishment that they can do is warn both sides. If they judge that there was intent, they have three options. First, they can warn both sides, and that's it. So if there's intent, you can't do nothing. The minimum you can do with intent is warn both sides. If um, Then from there, you could go up one step. You could eject the pitcher. And even the step above that, you can eject the pitcher and manager. So no intent. You can either do nothing or warn. If there is intent, you can either warn, eject the pitcher, or eject the pitcher and manager. Those are your three options. And if you do choose to eject, that also is automatic warnings as well. So those are the umpire's options. And just, just a few years ago is when they added the rule that the crew had to consult. It used to be just the home plate umpire could make these decisions on his own. Now the crew uh, has to consult according to major league rules. Um, they have to consult to make this decision on intent and then punishment. Questions or thoughts on that uh, that rule? I guess it's more it's less a rule and more like an umpire's guidance, but uh, that that's what we have. Any questions? Makes sense to me. Agreed. Makes sense. It's another one of the rules announcers get wrong a lot, um, just because they want to. You know, they want. They either want the umpires to let them play, just let them play, or, um, you know, uh, you need to throw them out. He hurt our guy. Well, if it's not in purpose, you can't throw them out. It's literally against the rules. So, anyway, there you go. Now you know the rules. 
After that, we'll move right along to our accountability session for our Write That Down Predictions segment. Both predictions that come off the board were from Arian um, this week. The first one was Arian predicted the Cardinals would win five straight games at some point in July. Remarkably, this actually happened. The game two of July 15th through July 20th um, was a six-game win streak for the Cardinals, if I'm reading that. Is that correct, Arian? This is the first time hearing of it. Sounds exciting. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I, I think I'm reading that right. So I think yeah, this is right. correct. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. And it doesn't matter which of those two games that were played on the 15th happened first, because even if the loss happened first, you still got five after it. So Perfect. You are correct. So ding-ding-ding-ding. Ding-ding-ding-ding. Uh, the other one to come off the board is one you made way back at the start of the baseball season. You predict, predicted that all four of our podcast hosts would have a winning record in fantasy baseball. There are now five weeks left in the regular season, um, and you are six games below 500, Ariane, with uh, Kyle and Wyatt four games under 500. So definitely not all of us, and likely only me, at 12-3-1. Uh, We'll finish above 500. So you get a nah. Nah. Hey, watch out for me. I'm on a six-game heater. I'm, yes, I'm on a you are. game, whatever and, the opposite of heater is. So Unfortunately Stinker. for you, Kyle, you lost the first uh, 10 before you won I, those six in a row. That doesn't make it harder. <laughs> so that, that's it for our accountability session. Ariane, you want to lead us off getting one on the board? I will. Um... Back to football, like we started. Um, I am going to predict, as I think we talked about last season, we've been watching that quarterback series on Netflix, and we were talking about the Vikings, and I was just like, man, their season last year was just so ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm just going to go ahead and predict the Vikings will have a worse record than they did last year. Regular season record. So, yeah, so that's a single. Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. I figured it would be. FanDuel over under eight and a half. ESPN has it there as well. So single. I mean, what yeah. what, what were they last year? Thirteen and four. And they were what ten and one or something? Ten and zero in one score games. It was something ridiculous. The one score yeah. games were absurd. And usually those numbers flip flop the op there the next year. So yeah. I'm not saying they're going to go over yep. ten in them, but the odds but that they go great. ten and zero again, not high. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this is pretty safely a single. I agree. Yeah. Uh, that leaves it to me, and I am going to predict. We were talking a little bit about the the Twins' playoff win drought pre-show, and I'm going to say they break it this year. The Twins win a playoff game this year, at least one, just one. Ooh. That's all I ask for, just one. It's asking a lot. I mean, twi- man, the <laughs> Twins are barely treading water, but thankfully they're in the worst division possible. Um, the whole division sucks. If if only the Twins wanted to win the division as badly as Cleveland and Chicago want the Twins to win the division. But I mean, what do you? What do you? I'm trying want to look up this? the uh, Fangraphs playoff odds here for the Twins. That would be a starting point. But, but, but uh, would you be shocked if this team gets swept in the playoffs? No, absolutely no, not. Not at all. I mean, what if they're playing Baltimore? Like, I could totally see them get swept by Baltimore. 
or Texas. Yeah. Gabal? Uh, I was almost willing to say a triple. I was going to say, not I like you're selling yourself short. Come on, guys. Know. They can win one like game. If they There's bad make... juju, man. They were supposed to win one game, what, last year to the yeah. year before that? They got bad juju. But think about think sweat. about the percentages, though. You don't even give them a 50% chance to win one game? Just one? Honest, honestly, no. No? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm outvoted here anyway. I was leaning towards a single to a double, but you guys are really into it. I think we're all tied up because Mike also said double for his own prediction. I mean, I mean, you probably have a steep chance to factor that in, too. That's true. That's fair. I just assume they're making it because everybody else is giving up, in your division at least. I can, I, I can be okay with a double. Given the fact that All they right. haven't made the playoffs yet, that's fair. That's that's fine. Fine. Double it is. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yes, he is still alive. At least I presume it was him who opened my Snapchat asking if he had a prediction, but he left me on red. Um, and according to our rules, that counts as a strikeout. So Josh will strike out this week. Womp womp. I will predict that the Cubs will win a playoff game. That They'll make it to the playoffs and win a game. This one's tougher because there's a decent chance that they don't actually make the playoff. Correct. I would agree. What does Fangraphs say about that? Fangraphs playoff odds state that the Cubs have a they have a 0.7% chance of winning the World Series. Uh, they have a 27% chance of making the playoffs. And then winning more. You're saying at least one of the two out of three that they'd be in. Yep, just one. Exactly, or at least? No, at least one. At least one. At least. Um, is this a triple? Triple? Yeah. If the twins are a double, this is a triple. That's what I was vibing with. Yeah, sounds like a triple. Not outlandish, but not likely. Ah, What do you got, Kyle? I am sticking with this Orioles bandwagon um, before we even went on air to... Uh, this evening to record this, I was saying I would be okay if the Orioles did really well this this October. So I am predicting that the Orioles will win a playoff series. I mean, they're probably favored to do that at this point. I would think so. They've got the best division and the best record in the uh, now the ways now the Orioles still have the best yeah. record in the. They have the second despair. best record in baseball. Yeah. The Orioles have a, according to Fangraphs, have a 89% chance to make the playoffs. Um, and if I expand the postseason, uh, looks like they have a about a 50, about a 40% chance to win a series. It's complicated because if they win the division, they'll likely get a bye. But if they don't win the division, then they don't get a buy, and the statistics mm. don't account for those differently. So I can't give you a perfect number for that. I'm going to say it's about 50% based on what I'm reading here. So um, single? Yeah, I think this is a single. Yeah. The Orioles are legit. That's what they seem like. At least we think they are right now. That's what the numbers yeah, say. That's what they seem like. 
Well, with a strikeout, two singles, a double, and a triple, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 233. From now until next week's episode, be sure to... I can't I can't talk today. It sounds like I'm slurring my words. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our socials at 8311Cast, wherever you find us. I'm not even about to listing off anything anymore. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.